Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of On Texas Football. My name is Tommy Yarsh, and this is our weekly opposing team preview episode. I'm happy to be joined by West Virginia Metro News' very own Joe Bricado. Joe, thanks for coming on the show and joining us. How's it going, man? Hey, it's just going well. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. All right. Let's get right into this. I want to start talking about the Mountaineers' new quarterback, and I put new in parentheses because we are four games into the season, but it's JT Daniels. He comes over from Georgia uh, with high expectations after battling injuries there and at USC. Throughout the first four games, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from his play? Well, there's a couple, and you hit on the most important one, and that's been health. That's really what has held him back the first couple years of his college uh, football career. But four games, he's taken every meaningful snap for the Mountaineers, and uh, that's been key, that he's been able to get out there, be on the field for every snap. If you ever get a chance to listen to one of his press conferences, whether it's before a game or after a game, it really is a master class of what he's looking at. A lot of college athletes, they'll give cliches, they'll give what the coaches maybe want to say. He will go through it and break down a play with everything he's seeing, everything that the coaches are you know, trying to get to him. And it really is a treat to listen to, even if you're not an astute football observer, he will break everything down on a given play so that it is easily understood and you feel smarter having listened to it. I think that's been important. He's also, quite frankly, given Neil Brown the best quarterback that he's had in his four-year tenure. Neil Brown's had a couple of transfers in Austin Kendall and Jared Deggy. They've been serviceable, but they haven't brought the game-breaking ability that JT Daniels has brought to this offense so far. Even though West Virginia's record's off to a 2-2 two and two start, the offense has played very well in every game so far. Yeah, I want to touch on that 2-2 two and two record. They start off 0-2, lose to Pitt and Kansas, which is the, Kansas is a totally new football team this year. And then they turn around, they win back-to-back games over Towson and most recently Virginia Tech. What's the biggest adjustment that you have seen this team as a whole make after dropping the opening two games? Yeah, there really haven't been any adjustments in terms of scheme or personnel. There's been a couple of tweaks that they made with their defensive line rotation, but really nothing that's noticeable in terms of personnel. A lot of it, the offense has been consistent throughout the first four games. They've scored 31 points or more in every game, but a lot of it has just been better execution on the defensive end that really showed up in the game at Virginia Tech last Thursday night where the Mountaineers clamped down on Tech's rushing attack. They held them to 35 rushing yards. And they made a lot of big plays, particularly in the second half of that game defensively. They got a pick six from Jacoby Spells to seal the game late. So really, it hasn't been a lot of personnel or a whole lot of new scheme. It's just been the guys playing better, particularly on the back end of their defense in the last two games. Yeah, it sounds like one of the guys that makes that offense go is true freshman C.J. Donaldson. In, in high school, he was a wide receiver slash tight end. They turned him into a running back, and now he's the leading rusher with 380 yards and six touchdowns throughout the first four games of the season. A lot of people want to talk about Bryce Ford Wheaton, and rightfully so, at wide receiver, uh, the Mountaineers' leading receiver. But I want to talk about Donaldson specifically here, and then we can touch on Bryce a little bit later. Uh, how have you seen his skill set from high school translate to how Neil Brown uses him now in the backfield. Yeah, it's really interesting, Tommy, because you had this guy come in that nobody had really heard a great deal about in terms of what he could potentially do in the backfield. In the middle of the season, I think two games in, he was still listed on West Virginia's roster at the tight end spot. But what happened was West Virginia had four scholarship running backs they thought coming into the year 
One guy transferred out. That was Lynn J. Dixon. Uh, so there were three guys, and they needed a fourth. Neil Brown and his coaches thought about the possibility of going into the transfer portal to get that fourth scholarship running back. But they had this guy that did pretty well in offseason work, and they wanted to give C.J. Donaldson a shot. And a lot of times coaches aren't necessarily forthcoming with, here's a guy who's really emerging, and here's where he can make a position switch. But throughout the course of the preseason, Neil Brown made a point to talk up C.J. Donaldson a lot. Now, we weren't sure if that talk was going to ultimately be put into place the first game against Pittsburgh, but here C.J. comes out. Not only did he block a punt in the opener against Pitt, he rushes for over 100 yards, rushes for a touchdown, and we're all wondering, you know, who is this guy? It's interesting because Donaldson was uh, the teammate of uh, another new Mountaineer in Trey Lathan in South Florida, and he was kind of a guy that when they saw Trey Lathan, uh, who's going to be a, a, a linebacker in the future, they were pretty high on this other guy that they were seeing. And Donaldson has come in. He's done a tremendous job. At 240 pounds, he's a good mix of power and speed, and he has really made a big, big impact as one of the top three, really one of the three in the running back rotation for West Virginia. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, he certainly moves well. You mentioned 240 pounds, 6'2 as well. So a pretty solid frame for running back. Another guy who's got a really good frame and is just overall talented, maybe, in my opinion, one of the best offensive players on this team, is Bryce Ford Wheaton, the leading wide receiver. 319 yards and four touchdowns for him to start the season off. Uh, coming into this year, you know, what what is it? What were the expectations for Bryce and how has he met them, surpassed them, maybe not met them so far to start the season? No, he's been in the program for a while now, and he's finally getting rewarded, I think, for his persistence in staying with the program because a lot of guys, uh, the leading receiver last year in Winston Wright transferred out. Another guy in Allie Jennings, who was thought of pretty highly, he transferred out. Bryce Ford Wheaton stuck it out, and I think in that first game against Pittsburgh, yes, he had the play where uh, the ball bounced off his hands and it resulted in the uh, pick six, the decisive pick six, pick six for Pittsburgh in that game. But Bryce Ford Wheaton was probably the best player on the field, and West Virginia had no chance of being competitive in that game unless Ford Wheaton was out there. He had two touchdowns in that game. Uh, his numbers dipped a little bit in the last couple of games. Uh, didn't get a lot of snaps against Towson, but a lot of that was because the game got out of hand quickly. And I think defense is starting to give Ford Wheaton more attention. But he's a great mix of size and speed, and he's really taken a big, big leap forward uh, this season. And still no question – uh, is the number one receiving target for West Virginia. We talked a lot about the strengths of this West Virginia offense. Uh, when you think about weaknesses that comes to mind, uh, where is it the Longhorns can take advantage of this Mountaineer team? And then conversely, after we answer that first question, where does West Virginia think they can get a leg up over the Longhorn defense? Well, I think the weakness is do, do they have enough receiver depth? Now they've gotten behind Ford Wheaton. They've gotten some good performances from Sam James and from a uh, sophomore in Caden Prather, but do all those performances, can they stack up in a game where they need all those guys to play well? So receiver depth is certainly a question. Uh, the offensive line, 
by and large has played well, but there's still some times where they struggle being able to get the running game going. And that was a bit of an issue in the opening game against Pitt, where they really weren't able to push uh, the Panthers off the ball. Since then, the offensive line has played much better in their next three games. Uh, So I do think you have to look at those two things, receiver depth and can the offensive line dominate enough on the line of scrimmage to plow some holes uh, open for the running backs. Uh, And and then conversely, on the other side uh, of your question, where you're kind of looking at where Texas in terms of pace of play, if West Virginia really wants to increase the pace of play, and I, and I know that uh, Texas Tech ran about 100 offensive plays uh, against them last week, if West Virginia really wants to push the pace of play, they haven't had to do that yet. Uh, so it be interesting to see, do they really want to get out there and try to push the pace of play if need be? That'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that was actually my next question that I was going to ask you. Uh, we're looking at this Texas defense. Do you think that Neil Brown has in the back of his head, hey, I can really slow this game down, run as many plays as I want to, sort of drag this out? Texas Tech was great in those long drives last week that resulted in scoring drives. Obviously, six for eight on fourth down attempts certainly helps there. But do you think that he stretches the clock and really tries to wear this Texas defense out like they did a week ago? I think that's certainly a possibility. And with the new offensive coordinator that was brought in this year, Graham Harrell, he is a former Texas Tech quarterback, a disciple of Mike Leach. So I think everybody kind of had the the pre-existing notion when he came in that West Virginia was going to try to run up-tempo every play and get back and and pass the ball about 70 times a game if they had the opportunity to do so. That really hasn't been the case. They've run the ball in 52% of their snaps so far this season. So I think Neil Brown is more than comfortable with grinding the tempo way down if that suits them and if they get a lead in the fourth quarter. They certainly did that the other night against Virginia Tech, played keep away, and that allowed them to salt the game away uh, down in Blacksburg. So I I don't necessarily think Neil Brown is married to the fact that he wants to go up tempo, but it's something that could be there if needed. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Talking to Joe Mercado of the West Virginia Metro News. Joe, let's keep talking about uh, this upcoming matchup between Texas and West Virginia. want to touch on the Mountaineer defense now. Historically, really solid group. They rank 23rd right now as a to- in total defense amongst all FBS teams. Who stands out in that group, and what do they do really well as a cohesive unit? I think one guy in particular, and there's one guy that's not there, and I know we're going to talk about injuries later, but the one guy who has been uh, there for every meaningful snap so far and is now in his fifth year is number 55, Dante Stills. Uh, If the name Stills sounds familiar, he's the younger brother of Darius Stills, who was the uh, former uh, defensive lineman of the year in the Big 12 Conference a couple of years ago. Dante stayed for a fifth season. He played – started or got considerable snaps as a freshman, played four years, decided to come back for his fifth season because he didn't think he was quite consistent enough on every snap. That's the word from the pro scouts. They wanted to see more consistency out of him in every snap. And quite frankly, through the first four games, he was tremendous against Pittsburgh, but the productivity has kind of gone uh, in and out a little bit in the three games since. Now, a lot of that is because Dante is seeing a lot of double teams, 
which is opening up uh, Jordan Jefferson, who plays alongside of him, to build up some more stats and get some more splash plays. So even though Dante's stats may not jump off the page, as that, that can happen for a defensive lineman, his play has kind of opened up uh, Jordan Jefferson and the guys beside him. So I think as a position, defensive line is critical for this team. They were confident coming into the year that they had eight, nine guys that they would be able to rotate and do well with. We haven't seen them go that deep into the defensive line, but that's the one position on this defense that has really been the strength throughout the year and has to be again on Saturday. Yeah, I'll touch on the run game in a second here. Uh, I want to talk about that linebacker group and the secondary as well. Uh, who are some guys out there who can maybe give the Longhorns some trouble? We know that Steve Sarkeesian is a guy who wants to find the big play downfield and have either Hudson Card or Quinn Ewers, whoever starts at quarterback, really air it out to one of the wide receivers. Hopefully Xavier Worthy, if he gets healthy and gets back, if not guys like Jordan Whittington uh, to flex out there. So who are some guys maybe in that second and third level of defense that, that can prevent plays like that from happening? Yeah, the one guy to watch out for, and it's easy when he, he plays in the middle of defense, is the linebacker Lee Koba. He's a first-year player after transferring in uh, to the program this year, and he is a leading tackler. I know middle linebacker that often lends itself to uh, being able to, uh, to put up some stats in that position. But Lee Koba has played very well, came in and won the starting spot in training camp, and, and has done a good job. But behind him is the question in the secondary. And the, the big question is, Three safeties that the Mountaineers started a year ago, they all graduated, so there's three new safeties there. And attrition really came into play in the offseason with a lot of transfers uh, at the guys at the cornerback spots. So you can take a look at the back five on West Virginia's defense, and it's a lot of new guys. Now, they are guys that transferred in from lower levels. They had uh, Jasir Cox transferred in from North Dakota State. Uh, they've had guys transfer in from uh, Murray State, from James Madison. So there's guys that have played a lot of football and at a decent level, but not at the power five level. And in the first couple of games against Pittsburgh and Kansas, they were exposed a little bit. So I think the secondary, until they show that they can lock down on a team with a really good passing offense, Virginia Tech did not necessarily apply two weeks ago or last week. I think the secondary is the primary focus for West Virginia's defense. If a team is able to exploit them, then they are in trouble. All right, let's go back to talking about the defensive line. Uh, the Mountaineers have been really stout against the run game so far this season. Opponents averaging just under 100 yards a game on the ground, but I don't think they have faced a backfield quite as talented as Texas so far this year, the stable of Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, and Keelan Robinson, obviously giving people a lot of trouble. If they can't find a way to stop those three running backs from Texas, where can you see this group try to even the playing field a little bit? Yeah, and you brought up a good point about it's not just B. John Robinson. I know that people, you know, sometimes from afar can think that, but Neil Brown in his press conference uh, earlier today, when was asked about B. John Robinson, he says, you really need to talk about all three of the guys, but of course did have some very complimentary things uh, to say about Bijan because they faced him in 2020. He broke off a big touchdown run when uh, on a play where the Mountaineers thought they had that uh, guarded pretty well. But uh, to your point, I think that obviously defensive line is a strength for West Virginia, but if they are not able to slow down Texas's rushing attack, I think that's going to, you know, they may have to commit some more guys forward than they usually do. Uh, but I do think, again, you, you really can't stress the back end of this defense from West Virginia so much because they haven't really shown that they're able to hold up against uh, an offense that's truly diverse. They did okay in the run game defensively in the season opener against Pittsburgh but a lot of mixed results 
particularly in the next game against Kansas when the Jayhawks ran up and down the field and scored 55 points. Yeah, certainly. Let's take a look at injuries now. You touched on it a little bit earlier. Uh, we know the Longhorns are a little bit banged up. Still not sure who's going to start at quarterback with Quinn Ewers and Hudson Card uh, really being the two guys in the air there. And then Xavier Worthy, as Steve Sarkeesian mentioned earlier in the week, is day-to-day. But on the Mountaineer side of things, what do they look like from a health perspective? And is there anybody who could really have a big effect on this game, maybe being on the fence? There's really only two injuries of note, and Neil Brown touched on both of them uh, in his pregame press conference. Jordan White, as an offensive lineman, he's kind of one of seven guys who has uh, been in the rotation. He's been hampered a little bit the last couple games, but should be full go for Saturday. But the big injury, and it's been the notable injury that West Virginia has had to deal with all season, is Charles Woods, who was a all-conference cornerback a year ago in his first year in the program since transferring in from Illinois State. He was a guy that started out playing safety, kind of transitioned to quarterback, and did a tremendous job all of last season. He was hurt in the first quarter of the Pittsburgh game, and Neil Brown called the injury a unique injury. It's a, it's a foot-ankle injury, and there's really no timetable for him to get back other than we know it won't be this Saturday against Texas. And they've had difficulty trying to make up for his loss. They've shuffled some guys around, brought up some younger guys that maybe weren't uh, – in the original plans to play as quickly as, as need be. Uh, but Charles Woods is the big injury concern for West Virginia going forward. They're hopeful that they can get him back some point in October, but really it's anybody's guess as to when he'll be back. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that and hope he's okay. Last question here for you, Joe. Mountaineers take down a Bijan West Texas team a year ago with a 31-23 victory. What's going to have to happen for West Virginia to get a similar result this year or try to get a similar result this year and pick up their first conference victory on Saturday? Yeah, I think they're going to have to score points. I know that sounds simple, but I don't think this is going to be a game that if it's 20 to 17, that West Virginia has a good chance of winning. I think their offense, as I mentioned, has scored over 31 in each game this year. I think it is in their favor if they're able to get out there with as many offensive possessions as possible and to be able to win this game in a shootout. Uh, defensively, yes, they took some steps forward last week, but I still think that they have not faced an offense as diverse and with the strong running game that Texas brings. So I think a lot of pressure is going to be on West Virginia's offense to score, I don't want to say on every possession, but they're going to have to put up points. I don't think this is a, a game that West Virginia can win if they're scoring 20 points. If it's in the 30s, it's probably to their advantage. Longhorns host the Mountaineers this Saturday at DKR, 6.30 kickoff. Both teams looking for their first conference victory. Huge thank you to Joe Mercado from the West Virginia Mountain uh, Metro News excuse me, for joining us today. Joe, really appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, thanks for coming on with us. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of On Texas Football for Inside Texas. Thank you so much for watching this episode. And be sure to come back tomorrow. I'll be joined by Ian Boyd for our weekly game preview episode as well. Also, be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel for more content throughout the week and the rest of the weeks of the season. For our producer, Matthew Hutchison, and all the great folks here at Inside Texas, my name is Tommy Yars saying see you next time. Have a great day.